Hey, Philip, what's going on? Hey, Brian, good to see you, man. I didn't hear you knock. I didn't know I had to knock. Fair enough. So what are we doing this week? The same thing we do every week, our podcast. Ooh, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. The show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to Neighbors Don't Knock. We are in season three, episode 19. That's correct. Yes. Well, of course it's correct. Well, you got a couple wrong. (laughs) Are you here to... I didn't show up for you to call me out. No, actually, I did. If someone's got to. Hey, buddy. My house, my rules. (laughs) It's good to see you, Philip. It's good to see you too, Brian. Yeah. No problem, man. So if you guys are new to the podcast, make sure you go subscribe. In fact, I'll take a moment. Do it. Go subscribe. And I didn't say smash that like button, but I am going to say it now. Smash that like button. <laughs> it's so bad. Who came up with smash that like button? I don't button? know, because if someone doesn't try to like appeal to the younger generation, we got nothing. Dude, it brings out the cranky old man to me. I, I can't help it. Yeah, like, I, I know. Yeah, I know you are. I know you are. So so how's that uh, How's that walker that I got you? The sciatica? It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Flares up now and again. Bourbon helps. Well, it does. And I'm so glad to have this time with you. But we also have some special guests That's right. That was plural. We have some special guests on the show today. Uh, We are going to get to them in just a moment, but make sure you guys go back and check out our previous episodes. We had the amazing, amazing uh, Grammy-nominated artist, Tony Camel, that was on the show. Uh, He had his new podcast, his new album that just dropped. Go check that out. We loved having him back. It was great. And also, make sure you check out that cool Halloween episode, man. That was spooky. Spooky. (laughs) Oh, you do it so better. You sound like the Count... The Count Chocula? That was it. Count Chocula. (laughs) Ah, Brian. Uh, So our guests today are active police officers in the Chicago area. That's right. Uh, They have a podcast called Three Cops Talk. This is a podcast discussing everything from police brutality to racial injustice to discrimination and violence and more. And they do this in the hopes to unite police and civilians through successful conversations. And we are extremely blessed to have all three of them on the show with us. So let's get to it and welcome Chris, Sean, and Scott. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome, gents. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, guys, we we just want to thank you for being on the show, but. But first, let's get to know you guys a little bit. Um, you know, let's start with Scott. Scott, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you met these other two guys. Uh, well, I've been a police officer now. This is 21 years uh, with the same agency that I was originally hired at with Chris and Sean. Um, I wouldn't say that I was always going to be a police officer. It was kind of more something I stepped into Um when I was around college time, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories about people say, Oh, this was the job I always wanted to do. And I wanted to be a cop ever since I was a little kid. And I mean, 
that, that there is a lot of that. I wasn't that. Wait, and wait, that I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what was the job that you wanted to be? I, I had no running idea. away from the police. <laughs> right, right, right. I was I was waiting for like magician or something. You know, like he just got sick of being caught. Years, it would probably be everything opposite of being <laughs> any job opposite of the police. But uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I it was actually a job that. Um, led me into working with some police officers while I was in college. It was a summer job and uh, that I kind of fell into through a friend of mine, got me interested in it. And um, I went, you know, I was in college and I was actually at a college that was big into the law enforcement program. So I started taking some classes, got interested and I was like, wow, this is actually really something I'm, I'm really interested in. And so, you know, followed through with that. I didn't get hired as a cop right out of college. I had a couple other jobs prior to that. Um, but then I got hired and I, got hired at the same time as Chris and Sean. We went to the Academy together and, and all three of us worked together for 20 plus years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so Chris, did you, uh, I guess, uh, aside from Scott, he didn't know he wanted to be a cop. Is that something that you always knew you wanted to be? Yeah. I, I kind of always knew I wanted to be a cop since I was young. Um, but, uh, when I went to college, I got recruited out of college for a good job in corporate and I just kind of getting, uh, just kept getting promoted and, um, you know, uh, asked to have better jobs and better jobs and better jobs. And I ended up as a chief financial financial officer for a company. And I just made a decision. I just wanted to do what my, what my passion was. And I quit and I went to the Academy. I met, I met, uh, I met these guys. Oh man, that's awesome. I love that. I love ditching the CFO gig and, and, and putting on the uniform. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> And, and, and so, Sean, we're going to have you put the donut down for a minute, and we're going to have you answer the same question. No. Sorry, I, I figured I'd get Sorry. it out of the way early, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never heard that before. That's reasonable. Um, well, my background was is I always wanted to do something, you know, involving, like, I was in the Army. I went to the Army after I went to college. I went to the Citadel, uh, and I enjoyed that. And I went to the Army, and I got out and worked in the business world for a little while. It'll be like Chris, and I missed that you know, that, that sense of, you know, I took a pay cut to be a cop like Chris did, but you were like, there's so much more meaning to it for you. And, you know, and some of it's, you know, what you cook up in your head, but as well as it's just, you know, if you do what you enjoy, you'll always be rich, they say. And I really, really started to enjoy that once I became a police officer, because I felt like, you know, when you're in the military, you go places and you're like, you're helping people from other places get a right. very good life. But as a police officer, you have to stand here amongst amongst Americans and, and, and kind of, do that. And I really, I really, you know, had some perspective. I didn't get it until I was a little bit later. I was 33 when I became a cop and that helped me with uh, my lack of maturity. So these guys are still, you know, uh, some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. And when I met them that first day, I never imagined we'd be at this point oh together God. and the things that we saw. We so we just and, like, uh, we're just yeah. smart asses at each other. kill them. Is there, yeah, a po- is there like a poker night that goes on with you guys or something like that? I mean, <laughs> it used to be a hot tub. Like, and it was like, we're going to go right to the weird. hot. Wait, 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 wait. We can't gloss over that. Wait. Yeah. All right. Uh, the hot tub was actually, it was like Boone's farm. It was not water. It was actually Boone's farm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. You know what? You, you should have gone with the actual hot tub versus the Boone's farm. <laughs> yeah. You know, every Tuesday we get together, just me and the boys and jump in the old hot tub. I do a lot of stuff with Strawberry Hill. Yeah. <laughs> oh my college days! Well, there were girls there. Clarify, there were yeah, there girls. Were girls there. There. there were, yeah, there oh, were fair enough. Fair there enough. were women there. Hey, there's no judgment here. Right. Oh, I know. I'm not either. I'm just. I just wanted to add that part. <laughs> fair enough. Well, Sean, Sean, thank you for your military service. And Appreciate absolutely, it. thank you. Absolutely, and and from the, sincerely, and and from for all three of you. 
thank you for your profession that you chose. I know that in 2021, you know, I might have like cabbages thrown at me when I walk out of my house for saying that, but, but I, it really means the world to me. I appreciate your support, man. But I, I want to ask for, this is for all three of you. Are you all from the Chicago area surrounding areas born and raised, or was that a place you ended up and then decided that there and then that's where you wanted to just be? No, nah, I'm from here. I think we're all from here, right? Yeah. No, it was, no. I, well, no, not. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Chris, yeah. Me, um, I wasn't, I was born Michigan, but grew up here and grew up local. So like, I know this area. So where I work, you know what I mean? But is, is there like a code? Is there like an unwritten code? If you grow, if you live in Chicago long enough, like how long do you have to live in Chicago before you can say you're from Chicago? Well, everybody's from Chicago. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I, mean, I love like that. 500 miles from it. But, I mean, they never, they never told me that I was. I grew up in New Jersey and then I went to South Carolina to go to school and I went to the army. I was all over the place. And then I came back and my family had moved to the Midwest. And I always felt like, because if you mention New York to Chicagoans, they're like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you even say that name here? It's like, you know, Montague's and Capulets type thing. And uh, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I used to say that people all the time. I like, I never really felt. I really enjoyed Chicago's a great city. Don't get me wrong. The whole area is really cool. A lot of great stuff there, but I never felt like that was quite home. And like Chicagoans will remind you of that you're not really from Chicago. <laughs> oh, that's so nice right. of them. Why uh, do right, right, right. to make you feel good? Right, right, exactly. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're nice to your face at least, you know, but you definitely, you know, got you to, know, it, uh, it's so funny that happens. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. That happens everywhere though, right? Like I'm from New England as well. I grew up in Connecticut and every time I say that, people are like, oh, really? Connecticut? Oh, God. Bravo. <laughs> yeah. Did you leave the rules behind? Cadbury, <laughs> Cadbury, get my slippers. Totally, man. Everyone's going to be like, like Bruce Wayne or something. Listen, guys. But I, I, I want to jump in a little bit too about the podcast because you guys started a podcast, which I think is fantastic. It's called Three Cops Talk. And, uh, well, we're talking with three cops, so it makes sense. Yeah, I'm interested, <laughs> I'm interested in this, too. This not sounds... a lot of thought in that title for me. I'm, I'm obviously not the brains of the outfit. It's simple. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 Chris. So that was you. You put the input on that one. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. you know what? It, it, you know what? It, it gets right to the point. So, But it seems meaty to me. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. Your podcast is literally, uh, from what I can tell, dedicated to just sharing with the world your perspective on any given topic that comes up, current events, what's going on with civilians and the police, that relationship, the the strains that are going on in the media right now with it. You guys just seem to openly kind of tackle it all, yeah? Yeah, I mean, and, we, and we've had guests on here, like guys that actually went to prison for murder and stuff like that. And to gain, because listen, when, you know, we all talk about this and we don't really know everything and we want to get the perspective. Cause the only way we're going to grow is we get the perspective of, of other people and they get the perspective of, of us that we are human. We have, we have emotions, we have feelings and just as they do, but where do they come from? How do they get created? And how do we either explain to you why we make you feel that way or learn how to make the adjustment to make it better? So was there a was there a moment when you realized that this podcast had to become a thing that you had to get out there and somehow share um, your experiences with other people's experience and have a bigger conversation than just everything we see in headlines? Like what 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 what, what flashed in the pan to make this happen? Well, it was actually the flashed and in, in flashed in my pan, if you will. Um, this whole George Floyd thing came out, and then uh, there was just a whole rash of that stuff kind of, trying to happen. And then as I watched things um, 
unravel and the amount of untruths and the amount of fallacy that was going on that was fueling this fire. And, and just like, as far as that George Floyd thing goes, that they were fueling this fire that all the police were going to bury, you know, all the evidence and this, that the officers wasn't going to go to, you know, get, get punished and blah, blah, blah. And, And there was all a fallacy because all of the coppers were like, Hey, that guy did wrong. He's got to, he's got to be held accountable for what he did. So with that happening, and then I'm, I'm, I'm a cop on the road. So I see all the stuff happening. I finally just had an epiphany go, listen, there's everybody's out there. The politicians, the only person that they're worried about is them. So they are not going to give you the truth. They are not going to give you the opportunity to speak your mind or us speak our mind and bridge this and bridge this gap that, in my that that the the the, the politicians and the media is creating because it's untrue and i'm not going to go down the whole fake news things but it's just it's untrue that fuels this so i'm like hey listen the only way that this is going to get done if we pick a media or a medium whatever the word is to try and you know get this word out there so who other than my two best friends that we talk about this all the time together and you know we get along really well you know we have a bunch of camaraderie and this is the best way to do it and then i asked them and here we are a year later well first of all applaud to you for saying the word coppers because you're the first cop i've ever actually heard use the word copper and i love it <laughs> <laughs> i will never forget that that is, that is like a life moment for me <laughs> and that is kind of sad if you if you can now picture my life as that that becomes a life moment <laughs> my wife is my wife is probably listening to this going yay <laughs> you, you gentlemen you gentlemen have no idea how deeply honest he's being i, I, I can feel it over here that, that's what happens with this microphone Man, when yeah. you stick in front of my face, in his mind, it's literally going like, "Yeah, sing it, Flatfoot." You know, what I mean, it's just like, it's, <laughs> right. you you know it, you know it, right? And it's yeah, and we're not even going to go down that road. But uh, let me let me ask you guys this, and, and we we can let each of you answer this. Do you feel since the incident with George Floyd and everything that's happened, and obviously escalated a lot of things to the forefront in the media? Because th- that's what I look at. There's a lot. I mean, there's been a lot that's always been needing to be changed and it's where I don't know if it's the fact that we're not looking close enough or it's always been there but has there been anything have you seen a change since that has happened I mean especially in your profession oh you want to start John go ahead yeah I mean I I yes I mean I think there's been a change quite a bit in it some good some really bad um uh, one of the biggest problems we have right now is that you know, we could be really facing a dilemma as a nation because no one really wants to come do this work anymore. The negative associated with our work, it's really, really hard to recruit people to do it. You really have to extend yourself. And then, you know, you're talking about in the middle of all of this, we had the COVID crisis and, you know, nobody was doing anything anywhere. Academies shut down, you know, cops were leaving the work, coppers. And now I'm in on that. Um, <laughs> we're leaving the work. To, we're yeah, leaving the making work. Making my day, Sean. Making my day. Yeah, there you go, dude. I'm totally. Um, and it, it, it's been difficult. But in the same sense, you've seen a lot of good come out of people. There's, It's not, I'm going to tell you, I've said this all along. It's not as bad as everyone wants you to believe. It's just like, COVID was something that was scary, but it wasn't as bad as everyone, like, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. No, no, if you do what you're supposed to do, whether you get the vax or whether you just take yourself, care of yourself, you isolate yourself, you do the things that you need to do, you're going to be all right. Just work your way through it. The same things kind of happen with our profession where I've met so many more people that have been so much more kinder to me since the George Floyd incidents. Uh, that I mean, I, I've seen a lot of positive. Like people, hey, I, th- I 
I only used to hear, thank you for your service when you're in the military. I daily hear from people where I work, thank you for your service. And they have no idea I was in the military. Like I'm wearing a police uniform. And so many people are saying that to me. So I, I've seen a lot of positives from it. It's also really maybe once we weather this initial storm, as Chris said, of this like ignorant, just like you got to click on the banner headline that says something completely false. We're, we're going to get some attention paid to us that we need it. You know, if you want cops to be better, it can't be free. You know what I mean? You don't win. So you start getting things going and you get the right people doing it. And, and I think that some of that's going to come of this. I, I really do. I mean, so there's some good and some bad, but I think there's really more hope that I get out of this myself than, than, you know, like doom, you know, Chris and, and Scott, do you echo that sentiment pretty directly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we ran into a situation where this cop, you know, in, in Minnesota did something terrible. And then we all got painted with the same broad brush of that. None of us that have done this profession honorably for decades condone any of that kind of behavior. You know what I mean? It's just, that's not who we are. That's not who we are as a profession. That's a person who should be dealt with accordingly based on his actions. And, and I think most people that appreciate police officers understand that. Honestly, I think for the most part, like to Sean's point, it's been kind of a rough road and we've gotten a lot of scrutiny, but at the same time, I really have had a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, we, we do appreciate what you do. We know that not all police officers are, are like that. We appreciate what you do for your communities. We appreciate the risks that you um, take to do the job that you do. I mean, we, we, we have families, we, we have wives, we have kids, just like everybody else does. We do a dangerous job. We agreed to sign up to do that. And, you know, honestly, I don't even really think about it anymore. Um, so, you know, just like anybody doesn't want to get painted with that broad brush, we don't want that either. Look at us as individuals and see what we do and the things that we go out and do every day and the things that me and and, and Chris and Sean have been doing for the last 20 plus years. That That's really what it's all about. And so I feel like the overwhelming majority of people, you know, in the community appreciate what we do. I know there's been a lot of this defunding stuff and, and we, we know that that's really not going to be the answer to it. That's really going to actually hurt people in the long run. So I don't think, even though that's kind of a narrative that seems to get pushed out there nowadays, I really don't think that's what most people want. And I think most people generally appreciate the work that we do and being part of their community and, and the impact that we have that's positive. Let's dive deep on the whole funding issue, because what you say about the George Floyd situation obviously rings very, very true across the nation. But being that Brian and I are here in Houston, we had kind of a front row seat to sort of a lot of the the local reaction with his family and acquaintances and things like that and, and um, large parades and protests. And, and it's still sort of going on. There's still murals being painted and, and rumors about murals being torn down when they're not and all this craziness. It, it sort of rings to me. Uh, like the end of the Vietnam War, right? When you had soldiers coming home. We had a guest on the show quite recently who was talking about coming back from serving uh, in the Vietnam War and how difficult it was. He didn't want to be there in the first place. He was drafted. It was horrible for him. And then having done his service, coming back to be called a baby killer and have things thrown at him in mm-hmm. the streets and be spit on. You know, he he was sort of talking about how how traumatic that was for him and how it sort of really lent to him sort of never getting over the experience. But it seems to me that a lot of that was very media driven. There was a lot of media attention being given because it was sensational to these big protests and that made them get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I mean, when you, when you show, when you only show certain things, 
the as far as the media goes, you're only you know privy to certain things as far as what your what your opinion is going to be formed from, right? Exactly. So, so. I, so I feel like there's a there's a parallel there with what happened with the defund movement because the media is kept talking about it, even though. I don't get the feeling that it ever really had teeth. I've never heard a rational politician come on any news source. I don't care if it's CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever it is, and say, oh, yeah, we should really disband police departments. I, I, I really I haven't come across that. I think there, there was one that actually you know, came out and said that. But um, as far as that goes, that just comes from just people not knowing and wanting for me politicians just wanting to get votes because they're they're using this platform of defunding the police and then then they go about and like well we're going to defund the new york so they take a billion dollars from the training the training budget well that's where we need it like it just it's a buzzword and 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 the politicians have turned it around to use that buzzword to gain votes but it doesn't really have any teeth because ultimately I don't care who I, I I don't know who wants the law of the society, to be honest with you. And if they defund it, that's what's going to happen. If you start talking about the funding, taking money from a training budget or taking money from a budget is not defunding or helping anybody. Well, we, we won't go down who wants a lawless society because I'm sure right. I'm sure there's oh, minorities, sure. but but I've I, met a few. But I, I'm with you. I I've I, I with agree with that. But let let me ask you this, and and uh, maybe Chris, you can speak on this uh, first. What changes has the department made? And, and I know you guys are kind of speaking for. Uh, mostly the departments you're working for, not for other cities. Uh, let our listeners know that. But what changes did you guys see the, or were the largest and most noticeable for all these events over the past, let's say, couple of years? That I observe is training. I think training and then actually letting, you know, having people go to community meetings and talk to people. I think that that's really been huge that, you know, because again, you know, you let's just take a traffic stop, for example. I mean, when somebody comes up and says, well, why, what, you know, why are you coming so across so hard to me? Well, when you get to a community meeting, you're like, Hey, listen, the way we come at you so hard and kind of tough at the beginning, because this is where most coppers get killed. And then based on your attitude is how the rest of it goes. When you could explain that to a room of 100 people or 50 people or 10 people that it makes sense, that's really one of the impacts. So, you know, you know, we were starting to go to more community meetings and we're starting to do a lot more training and, whole, and, and hopefully in the future, we're going to see some more of the Citizens Police Academies and stuff like that where they could come in and kind of get the feel for both sides. I mean, and that's really great to hear, actually, because I, I didn't know that. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, I, I have to admit, man, when I, I don't get pulled over often for traffic stops, but um, I am not the, the kindest person to the officer and not because I don't want to be kind to the officer. It's just because of the frustration of being stopped. Your day's <laughs> inconvenience. Sure, you, you know what I mean? And 99.99% coppers understand that. They're like, hey, because you're probably just as afraid as we are or frustrated or your emotions are high. That's why, you know, you, it, it, training is, hey, this is how we're going to come at you because of the situation. And then based on your response, how we feel, how you feel, how you act, how I act is how this is going to end up and which, what, what path it's going to take. If you need me to go hard on you, I'm going to be hard on you. If you, if you're like, man, it's just, an, sorry, I've been busy or wasn't really paying attention. It's going to go a different way, but I don't, I, I just think that, the hype of police officers always being mean is more, it just, it's just all by word of mouth and it's not really genuinely what happens. 
Okay, well, just to piggyback off of that, is there any truth to any racial profiling? Uh, no, I'm not talking about you individually as each other, but as departments in certain cities, is is this still a problem? Do you guys still feel this is a problem with just something like a basic traffic stop? Well, I, I mean, that, you got it, Sean. Go ahead. I think some of the the problem is like data, how data is collected, how it's assessed. Um, you know, uh, they say about, you know, lies, lies get their, you know, are out of bed and around the world before, you know, the truth gets its shoes on, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. So how it is like uh, the classic is Ferguson, Missouri, and how that was kind of brought to bear uh, with Michael Brown. And, you know, when the story came out, it was originally just like, you know, there was some ineptitude there. Don't get me wrong on the police side and how they handled that crime scene and everything else. But when you looked at the further data as to what was driving the anger, you know, the idea of that was people talked about, well, you know, the, the Ferguson, Missouri Police Department stopped, you know, you know, black motorists more than they did any other motorists. Well, the part that the media left out and people wanted to talk about what didn't want to talk about was the fact is that Ferguson as a town was largely African-American. I mean, like if you're doing your job as a police officer and they didn't for some reason, weren't able to hire a lot of black police officers in the process. Anyway, you looked at that, if even if they did had an entire agency full of black police officers, if they were out there doing their job because traffic enforcement is important and it kills more people, well, it used to kill more people than guns and drugs, but it's something that as, as a trade we do to keep people safe, you're going to see those numbers. No one wants to talk about the devil and the details on all of this stuff. And it lends itself just, it's just easier to have a Twitter burst or a you know, a news headline that says police stop more blacks than everyone else in this town. And when you read into the article, which nobody ever does, uh, you start to see some of the factors in there because the media does not not present the truth. A lot of times they just present it to you in a way that makes you get mad. And then you move on to the next yeah. headline and, and you're not really digging in and seeing a lot of those things. And, you know, you can look at a lot of statistics that are, are not good for in that case, like the amount of murder, uh, black on black crime, things like that. And you can't talk about it because people will just want to shut you down because they say you're white. You don't have any credibility in this. Well, you know, it doesn't mean that I can't talk about it. Look, I, I don't have children, but I can relate to the fact that if you have a baby, it's painful. I witnessed it. Does that mean I have no credibility to talk about it? I mean, I literally witnessed it four times and it's like, man, I can never do that. I, I'd probably kill myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I can't talk about it because I'm a dude. You know what I mean? That's, it doesn't make any sense. So when this conversation just goes dead, people just go back into their own holes and their own bubbles and no one really kind of gets anything out. That's what we're trying to do with this podcast is like, right. Hey, let's talk about some of these things that maybe other people don't want to dedicate the time to talking about because the 24 hour news cycle doesn't want to dedicate an hour to talking about topics. But if you come to our show, you can get some of those things and, get and, perspective of people and we actually really encourage our listeners to go check them out. I mean, really, uh, great conversations going on uh, with your podcast. Uh, I, I've kind of leaned into a couple of, and I need to listen to more, but I will be a subscriber to your podcast because it's really always great to hear what's going on in other parts of the country, especially with the people that protect and serve us and yeah. that we want to call and be, and trust. I want to jump over to Scott over here. Scott, what, you know, I, I know we've been diving kind of deep in a, in a couple of these topics, but you know, what are some of the lighter moments that we don't get to hear? The civilians don't get to hear that you guys talk about obviously they can't all be horrible right we, we 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 prepare for the worst and we hope for the best right i mean there are a lot of positive interactions that we have with people and you and tell me the same gotta, story I, I feel like he has a story that he's he's like hesitating well, I, 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 to, to bring I'm, out i'm trying to like i'm trying to kind of you know like go back through the catalog but like you know you talk about like a story 
that this wasn't even something that I could really appreciate until my kids got to be older and got to be teenagers. But we, you know, back working with these guys on midnights years ago, um, you know, we stopped a car full of kids and they were in high school and they'd been drinking and, you know, getting, uh, giving us a little bit of attitude until we had to kind of remind them like, Hey, you know, you're not in a good position here and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you and, guys have uh, no negotiating power. Right, right. You shouldn't, right. You're really not in a, in a, a position of strength at this point. But what was great was that, you know, you had like the one, it's like, if you're out with your buddies, you know, you had like the one sensible person that kind of <laughs> reeled them back in, you know, and, uh, and in that instance, you know, we had, we, what we did was we got a hold of these kids' parents. The kid that was driving had not, he was not drunk or had been drinking or anything, but the other kids had been. And, um, you know, we called, we called the parents and the parents come out and it was like, it was like the total typical, what you would think, like mom shows up in her robe with like <laughs> curlers in her hair right, right. and she's screaming at the one kid and you know, the other, the other dad is coming out of the car and he's marching at this kid. Like he's going to just pull him over in the middle of the street. And you're thinking to yourself, like no amount of tickets right, or right. anything that I do for this poor kid to, you know, write him some underage drinking tickets or something is going to, it's pales in comparison to what this dad is probably going to do to this poor kid when he gets and like the look on these kids faces, you know, was priceless. And, 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 and working nights and being in a suburban town, that was a thing that, you know, you'd, you'd run into that kind of stuff here and there. And that was just, but all three of us were together on that one. Oh, and yeah. we just laughed about the one kid kind of being a big mouth, but his friends got him calmed down and, you know, and then here's mom, like, taking the one, like taking the one kid by the collar and walking him back to the car in her bathrobe. Oh, well, that, that, that's, that's, that's humiliation, man. Him, you know, and, and the whole nine yards and, and we're trying to not to laugh about it. And, and my, my kids were, my kids were real young at the time. So I couldn't really appreciate that, you know, that moment. Um, but then the parents to come to us and say, Hey, you know, my kids are good kids. They were just out being stupid. I mean, come on, this is nothing we never did when we were kids. You know what I mean? Like you, you understand the right. situation and you know, the whole, like, don't worry when I get home, you don't even know what's going to happen. And it's, and like, listen, don't give me any more details. I actually don't want to hear it. Anymore. Calling children's <laughs> I don't want to be an accessory yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they all pack up and drive away and we, you know, we get a laugh out of it. And then do you, you remember know, the dad <laughs> was at the same dad? So, so, the, the reason that you made the stop is the, the kid where the dad was yelling at him actually threw, now we were in all Mark, fully marked squads. He actually threw a liquor bottle out the window and smashed oh, it right I from us. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow that, that, that's, that's not a good way to draw attention to yourself. <laughs> so, that, that's some ballsy movement, man. Yeah, that, that is a ballsy move. <laughs> out, of your, out of your car. Yeah, remember? Yeah. And very situationally aware. But, you know, that was just, I mean, that's just something funny that sticks out because I was with these guys on that one and we still laugh about that kind of stuff. And, uh, but then, you know, to, to take an experience like that and then you move forwards to having kids high school age and I got, you know, I got one that's in high school and one that's in college. So now oh, like, God bless you. Okay. Yeah. I can totally see where that's, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying like <laughs> I, I get those phone calls, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I, I hope you guys that. don't I get can, phone I calls because I would be scared if my dad was a police officer, I would be scared yeah. to screw it up. Yeah. Kind of like you said, like the, the mom came out, like, you, like oh. I, I couldn't even yeah. imagine, man. Sort of so. having like a rolling pin in her hand. Anything else more funny to that, it would have been, right. you know, something right. like that or hitting them with his, with her purse. That was, that was definitely, 
I love it. I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick, quick story. My, uh, my grandfather was an Irish cop in Binghamton, New York. And my, nice. my mom, yeah, my mom's Italian. My dad's Irish. They were dating each other the first time out oh, of their Filippo. own. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the first time out of their ethnicities. So my mom was, was dating a non Italian for the first time. My dad was dating a non Irish for the first time. None of the families were pleased. They wind up, they wind up in a parked car and they fall asleep like an old, you know, like song from the sixties. Right. Yeah, right, 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 right. So my, my, uh, grandfather gets everybody on the Binghamton force who happens to be on duty out looking for these kids just to mess with them. They get, they get a knock on the window and this, my dad wakes up. Oh shit. You know what time is he rolls down the window? His cops stand there. He goes, if I were you, I wouldn't go home. <laughs> You're fucked. Yeah, right, 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 right. Stay here with us. Stay here with us. We'll protect you. Your dad Please is take me to jail. Pissed. Please take me. Uh, that that cell looks really comfy. Totally. You know, but your your story though, it, it makes me think about this whole idea of what needs to change and accountability and this larger conversation about what what's really going on, right? How do we really get the the police and 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 citizens to be sort of on the same page? One of the things that I, I think about quite frequently is all these dash cams and body cams. And obviously, they're an incredible tool. There's no question about it. And it's it's potentially um, career-saving and life-saving for an officer involved in a shooting, God forbid. Of course, mm-hmm. footage can be misinterpreted as well. So I understand the pitfalls that could come with that kind of stuff because you're well, only getting and, one and angle. I'm going to let you finish this, but also to interject about those cameras, they're not the honestly it, what i would consider the best angle of view like that you get you it's a, it's an angle well we're av geeks too well, so that, that's, us, that's true that's what i'm saying but yeah, i mean for, jump and, out and you guys right might want right. to you guys can probably comment when philip finishes with this but like i don't every time i feel i see or i look at footage from those cameras i don't feel that that is a very clear vantage point i feel like it is and like a vantage point, but I just don't feel like it's a very clear one. Well, it's a deep rabbit hole, but my question about it was going to be a little bit more surface than that. And we can go as deep as y'all want to go. But my question was going to be about that routine stop with the kids who've had too much to drink and the parents and the rolling pins and all that, you know, rollers in their hair. Um, you want the greatest hits. Well, <laughs> but, but it, it seems to me that, that one of the greatest benefits to having a police force that you can trust is trusting police officers to use their best judgment in a given situation to to write a ticket, to not write a ticket, to make an arrest, to not make an arrest, to pull a weapon, to not pull whatever it might be, however however deeply intense or light the situation is. I I, have, I personally find a lot of value in an officer, their ability to have discretion. Mm-hmm. And I find that with all these dash cams and stuff, yeah, they're so useful, but all of a sudden you pull over that kid who's swerving all over the road and you want to give him that one chance. You can't do it. Right. So sorry guys, there's a question coming here. My question was, my question is, (laughs) how do you feel about that? Do you feel that, that, that your job is being more restricted by technology and this fervor for accountability? Or do you think that the pros outweigh the cons with having these, these things? I think if you're out there and just do your, and you're doing your job like you've always done and you have, and you can articulate what you do. Like most of us want to go out and have interactions. And if it's a good interaction, that's great. But if it's a bad or a semi-interaction, if you can, like if your discretion says that you're going to get voluntary compliance and this guy, they're going to learn from this, 
I'll, I'll defend that all day with my bosses. Well, why did you let this kid go? And I, I kind of felt them out. It, it, could I be wrong? Absolutely. But at this point in time, I felt that this person is going to gain, we're going to gain some voluntary compliance and he won't be doing this again based on what, based on what happened. Now you will have those. And I, I'm fully aware that if the videos get out or whatever, that, you know, oh my God, he should get it. That's what discretion is for. It's not his third DUI. It's not his third theft. It's not, you know, so it was our, his first or his or her first encounter with the police after, you know, my investigation, my gut and my discretion has said that this person will probably not do this again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the cameras are beneficial. Like you said, they don't give you every angle and every sense of what is happening in that moment all the time. And I, I short of being there, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you know, any, any situation, any officer involved shooting, any, traumatic incident watching the video is one thing but being there in the moment and experiencing the you know the the stress and the the emotion and the physical character characteristics and things that happen that's hard but i don't i don't think it gets i don't think it takes away our discretion i mean discretion is one of the best things that we have as police officers like we said we we when we interact with people and have that ability to be people and deal with a situation based on our own background, upbringing, experiences. That's what helps make those situations something that maybe would be a negative into a positive. I mean, I, joking about the kids, you know, sure. Could I have just said, hey, you've been underage drinking and here's your tickets and, you know, whatever. Or could I have said, wow, I, I talked with these kids. They even though that they knew they did something wrong, they were respectful and professional and their parents came out and I genuinely, genuinely felt that their parents were concerned about what was happening there and that there was probably going to be some consequences for them at home. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what we want? You know right. I mean? If we, we leave them with that good experience, both with the kids and with the parents, then, you know, that's a win. It's a win for everybody. It doesn't have to be, you know, and they don't all go that way. I get it. It doesn't all go that way, but if you take away the discretion for police officers to have the, the ability to make those decisions based on the circumstances in that particular moment, I think, you know, that, that would definitely hurt us as a profession. Well, we, we had situations that you can point to that a lot of people can maybe relate to is that where officer discretion was removed was red light cameras. A lot of municipalities got in on those things, particularly up North. And basically they're kind of gone. Like they've been getting rid of, even in a, in a state like Illinois, that gener it generated a lot of revenue um, because people, it just was indiscriminate. You did something and the camera went off and you got the ticket where well, the officer could come up to your car and say, can you explain to me why you did that or what's going on or what's your situation? There's a crying baby in the back seat and they're trying to get home. And you know, you know how that is. And you, I tell you what, just get on your way. We'll give you a warning. Just get this taken care of. This is crazy. The, the red light camera doesn't do that for you. You know, and, and if you remove officer discretion, what you do is you, in a lot of ways, create a much more draconian state. This the exact thing that people are complaining about with that. So if everything, like, I like the idea of the cameras because it's like a, what do you gain? What do you lose situation? Well, you see everything that I do. And when you demand that every single person that I come across should be popped for DUI or arrested for weed or whatever that is that you're telling me to do, that person could be you someday. And mm -hmm. my discretion is gone and it's automatically you're getting arrested no matter what. There are so many interactions on so many different levels that you would not be led to believe by the media, let's say, about police officers make those decisions on 
things as bad as like armed robbery and what somebody's doing all the way down to stuff as simple as what Scott was talking about with drinking and, and like all kids do like cops help make those decisions. We had a show, the Chicago cop talked to us about how they got to a shooting that occurred outside of a church. And it was like community policing on a level that you would never believe was community policing. Like how they talked to people, what they got done. The guy, the guy actually showed up at the Chicago precinct with the evidence, admitted that he did it. The only thing he didn't do was book himself in. And it, and it was just how the officers worked with them. And what's what's happened for a little while now is we've all been demonized and it's all, everything that we do is like the Borg. We all think a lot the same and we're all these horrible, bigoted, racist monsters. And people are being led to believe that. And, you know, the cameras are showing that we're not. We're, yeah, we have discussion, things like that. Um, but in the same sense, the cameras are also creating situations that, it's all. Why did you do this for? Why did you do this for the guy? Why did you let him go? We're called into question. Yeah, and like as officers, you're called into question by your own administration, and you're like, "Well, I thought I was doing what's right, and I was apparently told that somebody complained about this, so now I'm not going to do that anymore." Everyone I deal with, I'm now a red light camera. Everyone goes, so I don't want to be questioned about this again because people think I don't have integrity either way. So it's it's a really tough situation, but I think the just need not run from the light, and the cameras are really showing that our profession is not as awful as they say it is. And people aren't demanding this stuff so much anymore. So it's really, uh, to me, I, I think there's some wins okay. out of it. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. They combine years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales to offer big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page, or you can email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. And now, back to the show. So, Chris, Scott, and Sean, uh, you know, I, I can't really begin to thank you guys how much it is to have you on the show and thank you for your time um, as well as your service uh, not only as police officers uh, but servicemen and just as family men as well in uh, community members because I think that we overlooked that a little bit because I think we all have service that we perform but you guys go above and beyond and with this podcast three cops talk I think it's a wonderful thing that you're helping bridge this gap and, and making and keeping the conversation going as you guys talked about, um, I have to ask though, uh, well, I got three coppers on the show. There's some of the myths. <laughs> you you that, fit that word in one way, weren't you? I, I, I was going, I, you know, in. see, they, you they get me. They get me. <laughs> you, you know, Chris, you know, we I, don't give you a gun just for saying, can I get one of those little qualified. badges? Can I get one of those? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. was it a uh, deputy for the day or something? Yes. I don't know where you're going, Chambers, but snitches get stitches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the, the fish, it was four fucking feet, right? Uh, but I, I got to ask, there's, a, there's people that always talk about things that cops do, and they're just myths, right? Or we think they're myths, or we don't know. But as far as filling a quota for tickets, is that a real thing? Uh, well, I can write as many as I want. <laughs> I mean, it's Sky's not like you know, <laughs> there's an expectation that you go out and you, you know, enforce traffic. You know, it, it's a big part of our lives. I mean, we are an automobile based society, but no agency in America is like out there going, you guys need to write this amount of tickets right. every month because 
you know, we got to pay for the chief sauna or something like that or whatever the heck it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, it, it, it doesn't go that way. And most agencies are progressive enough now that they know like, Hey, you're out there, you do what you got to do. You know, I mean? some guys write more tickets than others. Some guys are a little bit more like we say, Hey, he'd write his own mother. And then other guys are like, Oh, let everybody go. I just, as long as I get the point across that you need to stop doing what you're doing, that can get you harmed hurt, or killed. You know, uh, you know, it, it solves the problem. So I, I, I mean, I, we did not see that. I can say that. Is it for the unmarked cars? Like, is it a thing for, for cops to go around and call other people, like uh, call other cops, like if you're in off duty and say that you saw somebody driving or doing something weird and, you know, obviously it's your duty if it's illegal to, to make, you know, to, to enforce that. But like traffic, if you're driving behind someone, do you call up your buddy and be like, this dude needs to get pulled over? If I, I, I do, I mean, if, it, if, the, if, if I think the fractions in, in but I'm tw- in 20 years, I must've done it three times, but actually a side story, we had an off duty copper do it. And we actually caught a murder suspect. Oh, wow. He's like, that, yeah. He's like, that car matches the car of that shooting in this other town. And sure enough, it was, but for, for the norm part, unless it's ignorant, no. I'm yeah, or maybe anybody. you see like, you know, maybe if you work, you know, afternoon shift or something like that. If you're coming home from work and you see a car that's maybe you think is DUI that's bouncing off the curbs, that's dangerous, you know, something that like, Hey, someone probably needs to address this because somebody's going to possibly get hurt here. Then yeah, you might call something in like that, but I don't think like typically nah. we're, you know, typically you're doing a lot of that stuff. It's like, Hey man, when I'm, you know, I did my job, my time, you know, my job, my shift, whatever I want to, mm. you know, get out and go home. I'm not really, eyeballing every car kind of on the way home kind of thing. I, I never did it because like I didn't have a, I didn't, I didn't have a hands-free device. Looks like an armed robbery in a yeah. current act, but I have to not use my phone on. Yeah. You've been retired for a while, right? You can't just call <laughs> Siri or Alexa <laughs> right, or, right. or Google, you know, but have, have any of you guys been pulled over for a, a traffic stop? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You guys come on. Oh yeah. The cool thing about it is like when have you you're making a ticket. Wait, wait, hold on, John. Have you gotten a ticket for getting pulled over? No, but I got chewed out bad. I've gotten a warning, not a ticket. Uh, I got a warning and chewed out. I mean, that's what I got. I, mean, so I got the hybrid, I guess. Um, but the, I mean, the cool thing about it is like when you're making a stop, like when you're on the job and you knock a car down, like I mean, when you're going to make a stop on a car. You're like, this is a cop because, you know, immediately the guy right. knows that you were where you were and he immediately pulls to the right. Pulls he's over. like, nobody else does that. No, everybody else <laughs> pretends like they do that. But like you're you're walking up on the car and you're knowing the next thing I'm going to see is the badge sitting right. in the dude's lap right. because he's got a gun on his hip because, you know, those kind of things. And you want right. to get confused about it. And you know it's a cop because it's like, and you just like pull over to the right and you're like waiting for the guy to come up to the car. Your hands are exactly where they need to be. You're like, oh, this guy is a cop. Nobody's that cordial to us. (laughs) Or you yell from your squad car, what agency are you with? (laughs) He just hangs the badge out the window. You're like, oh, darn. Okay. Well, before we get, you start wrapping up here, uh, you know, what is something that we need to do aside from keeping the conversation going to help bridge this gap between the police force and civilians? What is something that you guys really want our, uh, the listeners and, and people out there to understand and know? I, I, I want people to do, to do the investigations themselves, like whatever comes through your media, whatever medium you listen to or news flash or whatever you hear, Take the time to look at 
the whole thing, not the 30 second video clip that comes along. And like, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. We talk about this all the time. There are times that cops are wrong and we are because we're human, you know, but don't jump to conclusions that we are always wrong or we're always, you know, jumping on this person because it is take the time to look at it before you formulate an opinion. And if there's any questions, pick up the phone, you see a copper, ask them, but just do your own investigation of what you, of the situation before you jump to conclusions. I, you know, I think that it's twofold. One, we as a profession have to stop letting Hollywood and the mass media educate the public as to what being a cop really is about. Like everything's like bad boys jumping out of helicopters, blowing things up, you know, it's a, it, or we're just this oppressive, horrible group of people or we're fat donut eaters, you know, that kind of thing. We got, we, we've got to educate people better. The fact, and then the other thing too, as an American, you ought to educate yourself to the process, the best government uh, that's probably ever existed for your freedom. Like people don't understand like how the process works and they get mad at cops about things like about laws that are created. Like, look, I, I'm sorry. I, this is how the process works. I'd love to not to be able to veto this as a member of the executive branch, I serve the executive branch as a police officer, but your legislators created this law and they set these things. And now the judge goes and interprets it. Oh, you guys are always letting people off. We're not the guys letting people off. We're the people bringing them in or using the discretion not to bring them in, but where they get off at is in the judicial process. So understand all of this a little bit better. Like we have to do a better job of educating folks to what they do, but they also have to seek it out a little bit. Like civics should be taught in schools. Like here's how the three branches of government works. Here's how we get to the point where a police officer is standing at your door. And it's not always their fault that they're there. And I think if, people, if a lot of people understood that they wouldn't buy in this, into the sensationalism of it so much. Can't you shoot the gun out of his hand? <laughs> yeah. should, but I mean, how can yeah, you just shoot, shoot him in the knee? Bad television. That's to blame. Army guys crawling through. All right. Well quoted. Well uh, quoted, Mr. Well, yeah, that's well right. Done. That's right. I had that one. <laughs> Little William Defoe there. Uh, but uh, Scott, what about you? Um, you know, I, I think, well, like from the police side of it, and this is something that we've talked about with guests, it's something we've talked about, you know, on our show, is that, you know, law enforcement agencies, Need to get out there. I, it, I, it's 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 improving. It's definitely improving. But like with social media and 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 those that arena, you know, get things out. Let people know. Let you police departments need to let people know in their community all the good things that are going on all the time. Like let them know about good things that happen. And it might even be something that people be like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. But maybe to somebody it is a big deal. Or maybe somebody's new, you know, to moving into this community. And they start following that department's, you know, Facebook page or Twitter account or whatever. And hey, that that department puts out a lot of good info. Or hey, I heard this great story about something. Or hey, you know, that officer that they that did this or that. I saw that officer right. the other day, you know, right. out somewhere. Or hey, there was this, you know, whatever it was. Or tell a story about these officers. Let people know, you know, who they are and let the good things. Let them know about the good things that are going on in their community. Right. And when there's things that people are asking questions about, also be able to get out good information about those things that are going on, you know, be, be upfront, you know, you can, you can only let out so much information at a time, you know, depending on what the circumstances are, but, but get that information out there. And I always tell people, um, because I had done uh, work for like, they call it, you know, like a citizens police academy where members of your community come in and do like a 
10 week, 12 week program, whatever it is. And they learn about your police department and they get to do ride alongs and see how you process evidence and see how you do different types of investigations and what your SWAT team does and what your canine does and all this cool stuff. If you live in a community that you don't really know much about your police department or you're moving to a new community and you want to know about the police department, see what kind of stuff they have out there. Do a ride along. I, I me, yeah. Chris and Sean have all had numerous ride alongs over the years where people come into the police department, do a ride along, right. ride with one of the officers for, you know, a half of a shift and, and just pick their brain and be like, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, how long you've been on the police department? What, you know, what would you do in, and actually see what they do and what their thought process is in, in some of those, you know, a variety of situations from maybe something serious all the way down to something funny. relatively yeah, funny or minor, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I think that's and, probably and, my, and, my uh, reservation with some of that is, is uh, honestly the, the real, the realism or the, the life, the real life events that you're going to see. It actually it, it scares me a little bit, which is why, again, I applaud you guys for, for what you do. It's good advice, you yeah. know, and I actually have a plea for any of your colleagues who are listening, who happen to interface with the media, interface behind a microphone with the camera and get in front of the public because you obviously are doing it with your podcast and I applaud you for that. And I hope that you keep it up for as long as you possibly can because I think it's very, very important to keep these conversations going. But, you know, the reality is there's room for improvement in everything. And to pretend that racism doesn't exist or that, you know, abuses of power don't exist it's just naive. Of course they do. Of course there are bad apples. Of course there can be a bad apple who happens to be a police officer or a soldier or whatever, right? We're all human. I just think that it would, would behoove the police at large if your representatives who got in front of the camera were willing to say that. We're willing to say, you know what? Of course sometimes bad things happen, but if we find out about it, we shut it down immediately because we don't tolerate that. You know, yeah. Maybe some funding does need to be shifted around. Defunding, of course not. Like you said earlier in the show, training is imperative. Let's put more money into that. Let's put more money where it belongs. And if we find bad apples, believe me, we're going to persecute mm-hmm. them, right? Right. You know, or, or prosecute, persecute. <laughs> we're going to persecute. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to find you, them. You, I was, you were like on a tear, man. I was going to let you keep going. <laughs> you whatever, like that? whatever it was, you, you, I was just like, you could have said the word banana every other word. And, and then that, been, that, that I would have been like, yeah, right. That old Catholic <laughs> guilt comes out and persecution suddenly <laughs> pops right, out of my mouth. Right. No, but find them, prosecute them to the fullest end of the law, right? Because everyone is, is held accountable in the end. And, and I don't think anybody wants somebody abusing power. I just think that uh, honesty is going to win the day. Well, I, I got one more thing before we get you guys out of here. I, you know, this is, I want to kind of turn the tables a little bit. What kind of advice would you give out for police officers and active police officers out there? I mean, I think for, for me, I think the biggest advice is, you know, be truthful and just remember when you are meeting people, 99% of our day is meeting people on their worst day and you have to have that empathy. I'd say better understand the fact of what your role is in society. It's beyond just what the image of being a police officer is. You are there as the most visual representation of government to the average American, good, bad, or otherwise. And embrace that and realize that right now people are upset with their government and we're kind of caught in the crosshairs of that, like for whatever reason. And like, understand what you're coming into. It's not what the media portrays it to be. And it's also not what Hollywood portrays it to be. It's a great job. And at the end of your days, when you close your eyes for that final time, 
you're going to have seen men and women, humans at their worst and at their best. And it's, there's nothing else like it, you know, and, and realize that if you can survive it and you can work your way through it and you don't like, you have good coping mechanisms, it's the best job in the world. Yeah. And, and take time to talk to people. You know, you don't always have a world of time to talk to people, but when you're in those situations and sometimes again, like these guys say, people might be at their worst and you are the last line. You are the last thing that they have to hang on to, to maybe try to help them with something. Do what you can talk them through it. Um, just think about, you know, what, what that situation that, that they're in and, you know, and, and, and think about from your past experiences and your maturity, you know, what, what can I do here to try to help this person? Some people, they don't want your help. I mean, that's just, and you, you typically know that very early on. So be professional, do what you can, but the people that want to talk and give you an opportunity to talk, you'd be surprised. And I think any cop around the country would tell you this, regardless of what size of agency you work or where you work, you'd be amazed how, a small interaction with someone one day might six months or a year or two years down the road, come back and pay dividends for another interaction with you have, you have with them where maybe they are willing to give you information or tell you something, or just tell you, thank you for helping me when I was in this stressful time. Well, I, I think that's fantastic things to hear actually for, you know, all those that are currently serving in the police forces or retired. But I I think what I love about hearing all that from you guys is I think some of that also rings true on the civilian side of things as well. So I, I, I understand where that correlation is and and how you guys are trying to bridge that gap. And I want to thank you guys for that. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate Thank it. you very much. Thank you. Indeed, gentlemen. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I know that you, it's been busy and you all have other engagements. We really appreciate you getting together. I know, especially being from different states at this point. Yeah, I know. And and, and appreciating for uh, making my day for using the phrase coppers like on yeah, like yeah. constantly. <laughs> I, I, I was literally counting. My, I was up. We were up to like 10 at one point, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you know what, uh, Chris and Scott, if you ever have the chance to give Brian hair right along, let him play with the light. Lights, yeah. Okay, he's really easily right, amused. Right. Just, just yeah, oh, that, oh, oh man, if, if, my dog. Really? Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> I would totally do that. You know what? If you if that invitation is open and I come to Chicago, I totally will do that. One hundred percent, absolutely. But for our listeners out there, you guys can catch all three of these guys, Scott, Chris, and Sean, on their podcast, Three Cops Talk. You can find it on Apple Podcast. I'm sure. Where else is it? I'm sure it's everywhere. It's yeah. Just wherever you listen to your podcast, type in three cops talk or contact us here at neighbors don't knock. You can email us admin at neighbors don't knock.com. We'll put you in touch with these guys if you have any questions. But thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of the show, man. Indeed, gentlemen. And to all of our listeners out there, don't forget you're going to be tuning in next week to our season finale. I can't believe oh we're already wrapping it up. God, I can't believe it either, man. It's going to be awesome. It's moving right along. But for the three of you, you know, you have an open invitation anytime to come on the show guys anytime so absolutely absolutely so make sure you guys check us out on social media subscribe to the podcast we drop new episodes every friday and you're not going to want to miss our holiday episode so we'll see you guys next time peace out